You want a shark bite? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, last week or whatever, whatever you want to say, last discussion we had talked about the influence of God and in, in our lives and how some things have changed in my life and the way that I look at things. And we had talked about how people identify, blah, blah, blah. We decided to give each other two nicknames, uh, not nicknames, but let's say biblical names that if we were to put all these things that we'd like to be as whatever it was uh, into one, into one little word. And uh, I'd like to, do you mind if I go first? Yes, please. But this was inspired by the fact that in the Bible, over and over again, it seems like people have a name and then a new name is given to them. By God. Correct. And so that happened. I just read it recently in the chronological Bible I'm reading with Abraham and Sarah. Mm -hmm. They got new names. And my favorite all time is like favorite Bible person is Peter. And so it happened with like Simon to Peter. Uh And so your idea was to take a look at this. Like what would would be my new identity? What would be my new name? Well, because you have to die. A part of you has to die for a new thing. And you said that a long time ago. Uh, so a part of you has to die so that you can be like resurrected. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool thing. And so that's how they did it. And so Simon died and then Peter came up the rock cornerstone of the church and all that stuff. And uh, so I think I, so I'm just really fascinated by it. And the book that I'm reading is called Alter Ego. And so I think that's also why. Who wrote Alter Ego? It's a new one. I'm just reading. It's Greg Rochelle. He wrote a book called Alter Ego? Yes. And it's about identity? A thousand books. I know. And I how does he them. do it? Uh, each year, I think he writes one. And then he uses, well, if you think about it, it's a very smart plan because he does sermons based on a topic and he yeah. does research on that topic. So now he's just taking all of his notes from that topic and then putting them into a book form and then adding his real life experiences and, and his unique personality and making it unique. Cool. So, so Alter Ego is about this idea of a new identity? Uh, kind of like this morning we talked about honoring God and honoring yourself and honoring others. Really good stuff about like being a man of your word. Uh, I agree with a lot of things that he says. But, so, yours was uh, creative. Um, what was the other ones? The oh wait, wait. Okay, so what, what you're describing is, because... Well, we, you're, you tell me what you're thinking. We cut this out of last week. Oh, okay, wait. so okay. what you're describing is... Oh, here we are. In reading, in reading about kind of this change, and this goes back to what we talked about before, about weeds and pulling out weeds by the root rather than just breaking them off at the surface. And so part of this and the change I've been going through is identifying something that you've talked about of core values. Like what is it, like who is it that I want to be when I point to these kind of two, three simple things. And so um, my working draft of this right now is creative, predecisive, and diligent. And so we shared that last week and then you came up with the idea of like, oh, I'm going to come up with a name of someone who's creative, predecisive, and diligent. Yes. Uh, just because um, what you had said is you need to, uh, God identified them as the thing that they needed to be before they knew that they need to be that thing. Yeah. And so we are trying to identify the people that we want to be, not saying that we're going to legally change our names to whatever we chose, uh, but uh, it's we are going to identify those people so we can use those foundations to kind of identify and to proceed. Sounds good. You seem excited about going first. Go ahead. Well, I well, I have to tell you what I tried, and then I'm going to have you read what I sent you. Okay. Uh, so I went in and I put in uh, creative, uh, decisive, diligent, uh, operative for God. I, I put that in uh, and typed in like a biblical meaning of this, and then I found all these different names. I put uh, creative and intentive is creo. Uh, then creative is intelligent and Elegant or whatever is another name. Another one is bold, um, and focused is arrow. And so I came up with the, is uh, and then uh, deems. Well, I don't even know what deems was, but I put your name as Creo Deems. It says creative plus inside of son of a servant, uh, one with focus. And so I came up with Creo Deems. One with focus. It says a creative, intentive son of a servant, but with as that son of a servant of being. Uh, one with focus, and so I love that one with focus. But, but then what's I, wrong with that? No, it's that. not what your new name is because okay. your new name is over there. I mean, you can take that one, obviously. But then I was like, you know what? This people have been talking about the Chat GBT thing. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try it out. Oh, so Jason's I, assistant. Okay. Yeah. So I went into Chat GBT and downloaded the thing, and I said, "All right, I want to do." And I put all your stuff. I said, uh, "Can you find a name for a creative?" decisive, uh, diligent, 
person who is an operative of God. And then it came up with, I think, the This first, right here. Yes. Okay, so what you have here is Elijah, which is a biblical name meaning my God is Yahweh. And Elijah was a decisive and diligent prophet in the Bible. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. What's how you say this one? Bezalel? Sure. Bezalel is a biblical name meaning in the shadow of God or under the protection of God. That's cool. Skilled artisan chosen by God to work on the construction of the tabernacle, highlighting the creative aspect. I like that. So your name is? Oh, you put them together. Yes. Well, I mean, in chat, GBT did. Elijah Bezalel. So that would be your name. And so I was like, that's pretty cool. That was, it did exact. So I spent all this time because you that's can go, cool. you can go and I went on all the, it reminded me of when we were trying to name our children because it says like male names for whatever. Oh yeah. And so I typed in all these names and then meanings of the names and then did biblical and then all that. And then I took me a good minute to do all these. And yeah. I was like, I'm just going to do chat GBT and see what that's like. And I'm like, oh, so it's a better name, less meaningful because I didn't come up with it. But it's a better name, and it has better meaning behind it. So it's like, eh, so I like it. I think it's great. And I did mine, too. So read what you did, and then see what, whatever worked. Okay, so I just want to stop and say, I appreciate this exercise. I appreciate the first use of, like, breaking your chat GPT cherry yeah. was looking at my name. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And this is pretty cool. Elijah Bezalel. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks, chat GPT. I feel like I have a new identity. There's something cool about it being like given. Right? Well, that, yeah, it's like a nickname. So, and that's what he talks <clears> about <throat> in the alter ego. Uh, Craig goes talking about how he's like a, the best nickname giver. And like you give those person nicknames and it just kind of means something because something special besides just your name. That's yeah. something that almost identifies you as that person. Yeah. Sometimes you can have really bad nicknames, but maybe that's a good idea because then you get to really see. Like if your nickname is something that's related to being too sensitive or like angry, then maybe that's how people view you. And yeah. so you can kind of take into that so yeah. bye elijah balvazar whatever <laughs> if you're gonna give me a name you have to get it right okay all right you know i can't pronounce any of the biblical name okay do you want to start with what you found yours? no i want yours i was just showing you that that's what happened i didn't say anything so whatever you did what you found for yourself is kind of cool no okay uh so what i found um when we had talked last week it was kind of you were really in a place where you felt like attached to this idea of a warrior like I'm a warrior for God mm -hmm. and I really thought that was really cool and you also kind of also wrote down in a brief description at least I wrote it down this way as someone who kind of communicates you know God's word to other people and so I like that a lot so um I did a couple things one I did I used the same the same assistant I oh you did it, uh, for part of their time okay. and uh, I approached it with the idea of this communicator and uh, fighting for God, and that came with Gabriel, which is kind of a oh. famous angel that you know came and communicated that the to John the Baptist that the birth of Christ was coming, and uh, so he was he announced the birth of John the Baptist and of Christ, and so I was like, that's a pretty important message to communicate, and uh, sometimes envision as warriors of God fighting against spiritual darkness and evil which I liked a lot, um, and he symbolizes strong and protective role in carrying out divine missions rather than engaging in physical battles, and so the idea of this warrior. And so I thought that was really cool, Gabriel. Um, another name that I think uh, really reminded me of you when I thought about it was Gideon, and Gideon uh, is marked by, you know, initially hesitant, but then ultimately kind of, you know, courageous in what he's doing uh, through faith and this kind of uh, attacking through battle. And so um, it says here, he's, his story symbolizes the power of faith and God's guidance overcoming overwhelming odds. And so I like, when I think of you, I like that a lot. And then I went in a different direction. So uh, this is going to take a little bit of a story. Okay. <laughs> we got all the time. This goes back to, there's a, Warner Herzog is this like German, heavy German accent, uh, documentarian. He makes documentaries. He's award-winning. Awesome. He did a master class. You ever seen any of the master uh -huh. classes? So he did a really cool master class. In his master class, he talked about the poetic Edda, which basically is all these old Norse, meaning from like Norway, okay. old Norse poems that like kind of describe these great battles and courage and these values that are passed down through po poetry. Okay. And the way that it's written is very harsh, as you can imagine, with like kind of northern uh, winters, that kind of stuff. And so it's very harsh, um, very aggressive in his writing. And so it's like poetry, but like 
you know, badass, yeah. badass poetry. Okay. okay? Um, and so anyways, I like the poetic edit. And so I kind of, when you talk about warrior, I was kind of drawn into this direction in the first place. And so I did some digging into this, like, very random direction. And what I found was this sweet, badass king warrior named Hacken. Hacken. H-A-A-K-O-N. I like Hacken. Hacken the good. And so, like, you know, so back in the day, you know, everyone had, like, you know, the whatever that went along with it. And so Uh he was Hacken the good. And what Hacken was known for, um, he ultimately died in battle, so he was, like, this great warrior. He said it was a dishonor to die in bed sick. Okay. (laughs) So, Dude, I like this one. But um, really cool, in that time, uh, which, when he was the king, which was, like, the 900s, he was the king in Norway. And that was a very pagan society. And so he showed a lot of courage in spreading Christianity. And so he was the king. And he said, we're going to be a Christian what? nation. And so this, this Hacken was this pretty cool king because not only is he the, this awesome warrior, but then he uh, also had faith and like used God's word, spreading it through all the people. And so well, when I thought about you, um, I thought about you know, Gabriel as this, like, and you always see Gabriel painted as a warrior, like, um, when I went, went to, was fortunate to go to Italy, when I went there, you know, the angel Gabriel is portrayed as this warrior angel. And so I feel like of Luke is like this warrior angel, okay. which I like. Um, obviously, and then we talked about Gideon. And then this very, I tried to go in a different direction, Hacken, which is this awesome warrior king okay. that showed leadership and spread Christianity throughout Norway. That's really cool. I like all those. I wanted to touch on the Gabriel thing. Uh, recently, I've been praying uh, to, I know I'm not, uh, praying about angels, and Gabriel keeps coming up in a lot of the really? conversations and things that I'm looking into and talking to Gabriel. So the first thing that you say is Gabriel. It's kind of like last night. I legitimately, I just found out that there is these things called I don't say it right, but it's the the morph of these animals, spirits that protect the space between Earth and Heaven. Okay, do you know what they're called? No, I hear um, eloquently uh, makes fun of me for it the way that I say. It. I don't know. I don't even want to say it. But and I was like, oh, I don't think it'd be so cool. And I've seen them and I've heard about people talk about these things. And then it talked about how the angels kind of come down from heaven as like a uh, angel broken down as, as a messenger. Yeah. And so I didn't know that either. So angel coming down as a messenger. So I thought that's awesome. And then these little thingy-mabobs that are like a bear with wings. It's like whatever. Uh, they protect the heaven and earth. And so I thought that was really cool. So I just recently... I've never heard that before. Uh, yeah, so on the Ark of the Covenant, have you heard of the Ark? Have you mm-hmm. seen... Um, the Ark of the Covenant has these two of them. Oh, man. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I remember. Yeah, so the but the, there's two of them protecting it, and it's above the throne, and are the yeah, thrones not there? Okay, so that's uh, what they are, and uh, some I don't know what they are, but that's been on. But so when you said Gabriel, that's awesome. But then when you said that little king, but then he was in Norway, um, and I, then I thought about that music that you sent me that one time of like that little music. Yeah, I'm like, oh, dude, that's yeah. it. So that's the spot. That's a good one. So, what you, is this? So, talk to me about Caleb Jehoshaphat. So, um, when you were looking up that, what did that kind of did that really resonate with you? And what part of it did you like? I didn't take too much time to even look at it because I didn't want to take away from any of the things that you were doing. So, mm-hmm. I just typed in the same sentence like yeah. uh, biblical, blah blah blah. So, not, I didn't even honestly read it because I just did it, copy and pasted it, send it to my own messages, and so that there was nothing. What was the name? So you have two here. So Caleb means faithful and devoted. He was a biblical figure known for his faithfulness and fearlessness in facing challenges. So I haven't seen Caleb in my reading that I remember. And then Jehoshaphat uh, means Yahweh has judged. And Jehoshaphat was a king known for his reliance on God's guidance and victory in battles. That's cool. Okay. So I kind of just typed in a warrior and blah, 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 whatever Mm -hmm. else I had told you that Mm -hmm. was going to be there. So that's where it ended up. So I didn't even look at it, to be honest with you. This term warrior, why is why do you think that's resonated so much with you recently? It seems this is something it seems like I've heard recently from you. Is it some readings that you've done? What is it about the warrior thing that that you feel drawn to? Um, because in life and the people that I talk with and the things that like go on inside of my brain or whatever, uh, I never identified that as like a, a negative side of Satan, or what do you want to call it? And so as I keep reading the scripture, it talks about how ultimately you're fighting um, your own flesh because you are 
made of sin, your sin and all this stuff. And, and God and all the scripture and everything that happens is a way to combat that. And so even if you take away all the things going on, like that's what we as human beings try to do all the time. We try to combat the things, the mental um, draining that we have on our own brains. And so what a great way to use scripture from thousands and thousands of years ago that you can now use as a word. And then when it started painting a picture of what I always thought of religion as like this cookie cutter, like nice guy, kind of boring stuff. And then I started reading scripture and I was like, whoa, like this guy's talking some mad stuff. Like in one of them, I wrote some of the scripture up on the board because I can't memorize them all. But James 4.10 talks about humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So don't be so proud. And I, I use these the scripture when I'm talking to my son because he was talking about how he was winning Candyland and he was just rubbing it in his sister's face. And I said, I know, like, humble yourself, my son. And then I talk about Proverbs 3.34 and I go, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And so that's, that's my favorite. Like, I love that because I don't believe ever since I was playing football or in racing or anything that I've ever done, I never tried to ever showboat in any way whatsoever. I always tried to give someone else credit. I always want someone else to do those types of things. And I just really, it resonated with me. And then there's one, I don't even know. Oh, it's, uh, I have to like move this, sorry. Uh, it says, Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so when you kind of go into these things, it's, it's like they didn't come here to just like do this stuff and convince you to do these things. They did it on, on a way that they're using the sword is the, the words. And a lot of times uh, the things that you speak and the words that you say are actually the thoughts that are going on in your head. And so having those thoughts in your head are ultimately what causes you to do the actions and the actions cause the habits and the habits cause your character. And so in doing all those things, like it starts inside our brain. And, and I can tell from experience and talking to other people that they will be on a, on a trajectory of doing good things. And then all of a sudden, like, I've been good for a while. Like, why don't I just have that drink? Or why don't I just go eat that ice cream? Or why don't I just go, you know, take a day and whatever it is. And then it's your body playing these games on you. So if you want to drink and you're like, hey, you know, like I haven't drank for a year but now I'm like, I kind of have it under control. I'm like, I can do this. I, but it's like, no, I think that there's something inside your brain that's messing with you in a way that's telling you to try to convince you to eat that fruit, eat that forbidden fruit and all that stuff. And so the scripture comes in like a reminder and you're battling those things constantly. So I'm constantly battling negative self-talk, the problems of trying to overcome discipline and all these things. And so scripture gives me the way to do that with a sword of word. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, that's, well, you, you mentioned the sword thing for a while, and I didn't really understand what it meant. Um, you said evil force, or you didn't say it. When you were saying there's a battle, and to me, it, there's like this evil force, and a lot of times I don't think people recognize that. So they, the negative self-talk, they think, oh, there's something wrong with me. I, I failed on this again, or I did this. That's like a force that's attacking you in your head. And, you know, you kept saying this thing with sword, with swords, and, I really didn't, it didn't resonate with me. And then I heard that, you know, this book, Bible, is living word. And I feel like that's something I've heard a lot. Like I've heard that before, oh, living word. But I didn't really know what that meant. And I feel like recently it's kind of been shared with me what that meant. And that is, not only will this thing speak to you at different times. So the same verse, you know, you read at one time, it speaks one thing. You read another time, it speaks something else. So not only does it speak to you, but it can be used as a sword. And so in this battle, you have to intentionally identify that there is a force working against you, that there's not something wrong with me, there's something wrong in my head, or these things that negative thoughts where you keep attacking yourself. Like you have to acknowledge it's a battle and then use a weapon against it. And so you mentioned armor quite a bit, and then you mentioned the sword. I love that verse about, I didn't come here to bring peace, I came and brought a sword. And that's what this is, is he, through his teachings, showed that, hey, here's a sword to attack all this negative, all this evil that's going on in your head. Well, it's a, uh, I wrote underneath that one, it says Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, it's the armor of God is the label of that, and that's what we're going to go over in this week's topic, and he literally talks about these things. And then, I, I haven't read it yet, but in Revelations, it talks about how the the angel or Jesus comes back, and he has like the blood in his mouth, and he has like this, I don't know, just crazy stuff. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like, that's pretty cool. I never looked at it that way. Uh, and and uh, so that's kind of where I stand with that. And it even says in the Bible, like in this thing, it says... 
use my scripture as a sword or use my as a as a weapon and i think it's in second corinthians 10 or three through five if i memorize that dude that'd be so cool i'm like on a new thing uh kind of uh what you and i talked about uh we started uh, writing down all the bible verses that kind of come up and it started with these note cards uh, and I write down the Bible verses, and then I would start doing the note cards. So just like a normal uh, uh, note cards. And then what happened was I gave you the idea, and what you always do is you make it better. Uh, and so I gave you the oh, idea. So yeah, so I say something, and then you just make it 100 times better by the way that you just your brain works so much more conveniently than Luke, mine. Luke, I just didn't have any cards, and I refused to buy anything else. I kind of made this like resolution that yeah. from now on, I'm not going to – if there's a new thing I'm building, I don't need a tool – to help me do that, I can find something around me to help facilitate that. So, like, I don't need this journal to make this thing happen or this thing. The only reason I use the field notes because it happened to be in the, in the house and I didn't have any note cards. Well, that's the, the grand scheme of things is like these get thrown all over the place. That's why they're all crazy. They're dirty. They have like stains on them. And then you come up with this field note thing. And so then I just put all the stuff that was here into these field notes. Yeah. And so I love these field notes because then I could go in and a lot of those that are on the board are from these field notes that I can go in and, and read them. And so they're just on top of my, my book collection so that I could read as I'm. So you don't have like structure. You just kind of grab it whenever you grab this and just kind of look through it. Yeah, I'd use it in this moment where like I'm trying to find a scripture to see if I could uh, resonate with it and be like, oh, that's the scripture that I was talking about. Uh, or if I um, like this, I literally just said the James 4.10 one is in here. There's just a bunch of stuff. Oh, look at that. Second Corinthians 10. Let's see. Uh, For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, which we talked about inside of our minds. Mm. We demolish arguments and every... I don't know. I can't even read my own right? That sets itself up with against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Uh, we will be ready uh, to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Uh, and then I put a little note that says, look up Psalms 37, 5 through 11. Uh, it says, when you get angry for wicked people. So uh, the little things like that. So I can use that and be like, oh, okay, like we're in. And that's being a warrior, demolish strongholds. Yeah. A warrior. Well, I think it's a warrior of your own brain. Like people use it as like a warrior of like fighting other people's stuff. Is we have so much our own problems that we need to deal with. Like, and if you fix, stop worrying about other people's problems. Like fix your own problems. And by you doing that, you're ultimately going to be that ripple that we talked about. So fix your own stuff that going on in your head because you can't fix other things. Like you can't. And the more we try to distract ourselves from things going on in the world, the less we're dealing with our own problems. And so I feel like the news does a really good job with that. Social media does a really good job with that. Uh, And what's different about us now versus back 2000, however many years ago, 3000, 4000 years ago, is they didn't have any distractions. They were in a, a field looking at the stars next to their sheep. Like that's all they had. Or they would be looking up at the stars and like, how pretty is that? And then they would just have these enlightenment thoughts because they were bored in a good, beautiful way. We're supposed to be bored, but we don't allow ourselves to be bored. We listen to podcasts. We scroll through Instagram. We post on Facebook, whatever else you guys do, me included. I'm not separating myself as one of those people. But if we were to be bored and be quiet and listen, I think we'd hear a lot more than we think. I don't know if you just have verses. In my, in my little book, I've written a few other things that aren't Bible verses. And one of them is on one side it says, the devil doesn't need to destroy you. You flip it over, it says, he just needs to distract you. Oh, and I was like, and so I, rem- I read that one quite a bit. And that one reminds me. So did you write anything else besides Bible verses in here? Or are you keep uh, it strictly for that? So this one is just Bible verses because yeah. it took up all the pages. But uh, We started a new one? Well, I got three or four of them. <laughs> uh, but this one is... As I go I through it. and read um, stuff in scripture, I'll write down notes. And what, because um, you taught me that one, where you use these as books. But what I started doing, and I do this on all my, uh, I'll just kind of break down Ephesians, because that's where we kind of are. So if I'm reading Ephesians, and I have it on here, what I do is I put these note cards in here now, because these books are getting kind of big. But I'll read the scripture and then I'll write the notes. And then in this little study Bible, it gives you references to other scripture. And so I'll write those down. So after I'm done reading the whole chapter, then I'll go through and kind of look at those scriptures to different things. So right now we're going over Ephesians. So I, le- I learned about who were the Ephesians, like the Ephesus, what was going on in Ephesus during that time. Um, 
why was this such a big deal? Why was he talking to this church? Like, who was talking to this church? At what time? Where was he when he was writing this letter uh, to this church? What else was going on in the Bible at that time? And there's just so much stuff that you find out the context of why he's writing this actual letter to the Ephesians um, and the people of Ephesus. And it's, I'm really excited to talk about it on Wednesday. But all these are just Bible verses that I get to look up that kind of go into redemption, uh, forgiveness. And then it says like, oh, Leviticus, blah, blah, blah. So I get to go in and talk about all those things. Also, when you're reading Ephesians, it's back also talked in Acts 19 of when he was in Ephesus, right? Yeah. And so when you do that, you can go read Acts 19, and it tells you about his experience, his two-year stint in Ephesus when he's dealing with these things. And then it talks about that now he's in prison on house arrest or whatever, and he's writing the letter back to them at the same time. That It's just so crazy because it's all connected. I never read the Bible like that. I used to read the Bible of just like read the verse and be like, what does that mean to me? But now I read the Bible, I'll read a story, and I'll be like, okay, who's writing this to who? Okay, Paul's writing this to the Ephesians. Why? Where is he when he's writing? Oh, he's in jail. Okay, what else is going on? Like, one of the things that he said in here is, um, I wish I wrote it down. Uh, There's much about uh, really cool stuff about being in your marriage, and so you should probably read that one if you're married or want to be married. But... One of them says is, don't pray for me because I'm in chains. Pray for me how I'm going to deal with the things that I do while I'm in these chains. So don't pray to change your circumstance. Pray for God to work through you in the circumstance that you're currently in. And that's a completely different mindset. Okay? Um, my dad has this mindset of he needs his hip replaced. And he goes, I'm not going to start working out until my hip's replaced. But he needs to start working out now. So he's, he's like... I'm not going to get better until after my hips replace. He could prevent a lot of things if he were to work out now. So don't think about what's going to happen when I get there. Start acting now. So. I think that's you touched into something really good. I think yeah. a lot of people do that. Where, like, once this thing is the case, then I'll be able to do this. Like, once I have this X amount of dollars, then I'll be able to live this way. Once I'm able to free up time, then I'll be able to be like Luke and reading the Bible all the time. <laughs> yeah. What would you say to those people, Luke? You don't want to know what I'd say to those people. Uh, the first thing I'd like to say is, I get this a lot, is like, I'm not going to come to your gym until I get in shape, or I'm not going to start CrossFit until I get in CrossFit shape. I'm not going to start running, and I don't want to run with you until I get in running shape, or I don't want to do this. It's like, just start now. Um, there, there is, there's no extra time in a day. you, there's 24 hours in a day, every day. Nothing's changed. Been like that since you were born. Always going to be 24 hours before you and after you. So you got to make the best of what you have with those 24 hours. So if you don't have time to read, it's not because you don't have time. It's because you're not willing to make that time to read. You're not willing to make that time to go work out. You're not willing to make that time because it's not important to you. So if you say that it's important to you, then it really isn't. So this, I think, has a full turnaround for that Bible verse that you said today. Um, and so don't talk about it. Actually be about it. And so what, what was that Bible verse in the, the summarization? Or the, First John 3.18. Okay. His ways don't love with words, but in actions and in truth. Yeah, so I think that's fantastic. So, and I think that goes for everything. Don't say these things do them immediately. Like you just said, You're like, I, I don't need to wait for this journal to come to start doing these things. I can start doing this now. And I already have way more than I will ever need. And I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. Um, I don't know where, uh, but I think the Bible has just been this really cool eye-opening experience for me. Uh, it's really helped. I fought it. Let me just backtrack. <laughs> this year, or last year, 2023, was a year of, unbeknownst to me, I did not know that this was going to be a year of religion or the Bible or the God-finding journey. Like, I had no idea. I didn't start 2023 and be like, I'm going to learn about Jesus or I'm going to read the Bible. I didn't do any of that stuff. I had started having conversations with people like you, a couple of guys on the track, uh, and my wife, she spread the Bible. And so in, inadvertently, she by her leading who she was and doing the things she wanted to do, she made me a better person. And I think that's how you should do everything. But I looked back at my year in review and I looked, oh, I bought a, I bought a Bible this time last year, my first Bible. And so I was like, okay, that's where it started. I had these conversations. And then when I'll, was that? That was January, like right before my birthday. I think I bought myself it for a birthday present. So beginning of January, I bought a Bible. Was it this one? No. Different. Diff- like, uh, 
I did a lot of research on what kind of Bible I like, what kind of translation I wanted to get, how, what kind of, do I want the layout this way? Do I want, I write notes, so it's a single side with notes on one side that I can write. Why do you have this one here then? Uh, because I fell in love with this one. Because of the referencing? Because of the referencing, really because cool. it gives you so much context and history behind what it explains. Yeah. So if I read a passage or a scripture, I can go underneath here and look, oh, it says talk about in Ephesians 5, 10 through 14, they point to whatever. Uh, it, it breaks down that thing of what scholars have gone through and, and figured out. And it also points you in other directions so you connect them. So that's why I like this What's one. What's this one called? So anyone else wants oh, to find this one. This one is the Life Application Be Study Be like Bible. Luke. No, don't. Uh, so that's one I got. And I've actually asked for this, this Bible in large text for my birthday this year. Because uh, you can never have enough Bibles, I guess. Cause but because you're, you're getting old. No, it's because in the morning my this book is huge, and so I'm reading it. I sit on my couch so every morning. I wake up, I do my coffee. I sit on the couch, and I start with uh, someone had told me to pray before you read the Bible so that you can understand what you're trying to read to whatever. So I started doing that, and then I hold my Bible, and if I hold it down here because we have light, dim light in our living room, I can't really read it. It's pretty far, and maybe I'm getting old. I have eagle vision, Matt. Come on. And so then I hold it close to me, and then my arms get tired, and then Kyle got this Bible, but in larger text. Uh, and so I was like, oh, that, that's, that's what I need. But I'm kind of a, upset because I've done, this has been, you can't see the Bible, but all these little things in there are just different notes and uh, places that I get to read. And, and now, you, now you get to hand it down to Levi, who has young eyes and can read it. I, I'm going to hand this to Kiera, who has older eyes, but she has glasses. And so she, she likes it because she, she does a lot of uh, studying and stuff. And so she gets to, she's like, oh my gosh, it gives you so much content. It tells you about each person in there. It tells you about Paul, his story, where he's from, blah, 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 all this stuff, and how he wasn't Paul before Paul, Saul, Paul, crazy stuff. And I didn't know that. I think it's majority of the New Testament is written by Paul, which like then makes me start thinking, if we want to get into like the skeptic brain of mine, it's like, why are we believing this guy, Paul? What has Paul done? And then you have context to kind of research that and ask questions. So I don't know. What do you got? Yeah, Paul, he only traveled all over the place. He was a, you know, as history says it, he was a killer of those who are religious. Straight up massacre. And then he got called to go spread the word all over the world, I guess. I guess whatever that, you know, the known world at that time. And he followed that calling all the way to the place where he knew he was going to get jailed and killed. And so uh, it's pretty unique, someone who goes through that, and they're going to have unique experiences, which he shares. And I think that's cool. My brain works a little bit differently because I start thinking, like, okay, this guy, in, in his story, on his way somewhere to go crucify some more Christians, he, like, was with his buddies, and they're walking through this in-between towns, like in-between our two towns, and then just gets hit down to the ground, gets his vision taken away, and has like some of the worst pain he's ever had. And he's like, I can't see, I can't see. But in the vision tells him to go see this one Christian. And then he goes and sees this one person. And the person was like, I don't want to see this guy. This guy's known for, Saul's known for just like beheading these, like me and Christians. And then he goes and he prays. For, and, and so like, for me, it's like, okay, well, then why? Why this guy? Like, what if, what if he just made that story up? Like, why? <laughs> and so I, that was my attitude uh, at the beginning of this year, for probably the first 10 months of this year. And then our Bible study group and actually reading the stuff and <clears throat> realizing that the scripture has been words that I've said, but I didn't know the context behind it. And, and that's why I think I get so attracted to it. Um, I just, I would, because I recently went through a change where I finally become a morning person. And it sounds like you're doing all this reading in the morning. And I recently found a verse, Mark 1, which is Jesus got up early in the morning and went out and prayed where it was quiet. And so we're supposed to be like Jesus. And so it seems like a good idea to get up and pray. Um, I was this person that said, oh, I can't wake up early. I'm not a person that wakes up early. Um, I always sleep in. I sleep in my alarm clock. And then magically, somehow the past two or three weeks, I've been able to wake up at 3.30 consistently, like every single morning. Um, what would you say to people? Because you've had a big effect on me. We've talked about it a little bit. What would you say to people who say, oh, I can't wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm not a morning person. Oh, I have kids that are going to be screaming at me in the morning. I don't have time for that. Like, what, was, what is your approach? How were you able to become a person that can get up early? Because I was willing to suffer for it. Like, there's, it's, um, 
make the decision and stick to it. Uh, we read a book called The Morning Miracles by Hal Elrod, and he kind of laid the foundation and groundwork. It's a, a really big self-help book, kind of cheesy, like uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so that's hard to get over, but I learned a lot from uh, that happened to us when we were away from our family and all the distractions. So we were able to come up with a, uh, a routine and our routine didn't start in the morning. It re- starts the night before. And we've talked about this a bunch of times is my morning routine starts the night before. And so what that is, is I get all my stuff. I have a, I have a spot and, um, I know that at four o'clock I'm going to wake up and I know from 401 to 409 is my time to get protein, get my coffee, drink some water, uh, go to the bathroom if I need to and get whatever I need, get the blankets, a sweatshirt and sit in my spot by 410. Cause I know that my alarm's going to go off at 410 and that's when I should be reading. And so I allocated that time from four to 445 or 440 for specifically this or reading or praying or whatever I have. So I have designated time every morning and that doesn't change. It doesn't change on what else is going on. It's just that I made that my thing. So I wake up at that time. Uh, because in, in essence, if, um, and that's even if I don't get sleep the night before. That's even if I, if my kids wake me up because they're puking or my kids are crying or they're afraid of the dark and they come in and wake us up like four times or uh, my wife's coughing or uh, the dogs bark like I, or if I, I go to bed late for some reason and I wake up at that time no matter what. Just because that to me is going to set me for the next day. So if I wake up in the morning, if I sleep in, then I'm not gonna be tired at night. And then the next morning, I'm gonna be like, just a, a, so you just gotta wake up. Uh, the first thing is, is, is decide what you want, when you want it, and what you're willing to suffer for. Because if you're willing to suffer for waking up early, then you're gonna have a, a more willing to make a, uh, the, the nighttime routine to get you ready for that thing. Because I enjoy that. Like for me, I'm in bed at 7.45, 8 o'clock every night. But that's just because I need sleep. Like if you try to do this without sleep, if you go to bed at 12 o'clock at night and wake up at four o'clock in the morning, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You need to prioritize sleep should be like the number one thing that you do. And by doing that, then you can do these things and not be distracted by the other things that are going to happen because those are going to happen. Like on Tuesday, I'm going to run on the track at 5.15. That's not a question. That's just going to happen. The the weather, blah, blah, blah. It's just the way it is. Saturday, I'm either going to be running here or I'm going to be at a race. It's just Saturday. That's how it happens. Uh, I, I recently have had to pull myself back and understand that, like, oh, I do need to go on a vacation or I do get to go to camping with my family. And when I do that, then I, I planned my camping trips based on my Tuesdays, Saturdays, and Tuesdays. So they go, oh, we'll leave Wednesday and then we'll come back on that Sunday or that Monday night so then I can be back there on Tuesday. And that's that's where I take, uh, I move my family out of first place when I put someone else in first place. So uh, decide that you want to make God first, and then God will be first. Decide that you want to wake up first, then you wake up to be first. Whatever you choose to do, just do it. I don't, there's no simple way. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so simple that that's it. Just choose. Make the decision. Yeah, you said, what do you want? I, I, for most people, it's not clear. For me, it hasn't been clear you have to be very clear on what it is you want. And what it is is the priority. Why are you doing this? Why do you want to wake up early? Do you like the idea of it? Do you want to be able to share it with people? Like, why is it that you want to be up early? And then I, th- I love that you brought that up. But the biggest thing for me has been getting everything ready the night before and getting to bed. It's not magic. Like, you need a certain amount of time to sleep. If you want to wake up earlier, it's got to steal from somewhere. And so for me, it's been like 7.45, 8 o'clock bedtime. And like that, once you, once you, once you get used to it, Waking up early is not a, not a factor. There's some days where it's hard, yeah. but waking up early is not a factor once you do it. But for someone who never woke up early, the first time, it's a struggle. You feel like something's wrong with you. You feel like I'm incapable of this. Like you said, simple. Just decide what it is you want and then get to bed early. Your body will naturally uh, fix itself. <clears throat> so if you're tired, you're going to go to bed earlier. Uh, but if you're the person that wants to wake up early but also wants to scroll their phone before they go to bed, then that's not the thing they need to be doing. So I, I get frustrated, but I'm working on it uh, pretty diligently to not get frustrated with people because I was that person however long ago. Like I was a person that was like, oh, I could have wake up early, or I despise, like, you want me to wake up at what time? Uh, but for me personally, and the way that my schedule works, which is gonna be different for other people, is you might be, your time might be from 9.30 to 
11 o'clock is my time at night. So maybe you put the kids down, <clears throat> you're done dinner, you do the whatever the dishes, and then your kids are done. And like, this is my only quiet time. And then you sleep in. That's great. If that's do what works best for you and your family. Just for me, that doesn't work because I fall asleep and I'm really tired. Uh, so that's when I do it. But you need to find out what that is and then stick to it and make that plan. You pre-decide like you've talked about of when I'm going to do this. What am I actually going to do? It makes it so much easier if I have a workout that I want to do or that I'm going to do the next day. If I know that I'm going to do that workout, I'll just make it happen. It doesn't like if I'm just sitting there and I'm in the gym and I'm kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, then I'm not as likely to do it. But if I predetermine that I'm going to be doing this workout, that's why having a coach is so great. That's why having a training plan is so fantastic because it takes out all the second guesses. If you have these rules in place or systems, kind of puts you in a big place. All right. I want to ask you. I think it's crucial to have that. And I I appreciate the effect you've had on me getting up in the morning because you have helped me of that a lot. And that's completely changed a lot for me. I appreciate that. But I think that's the key is you have to have a plan. You have to have some sort of accountability. You can create that plan yourself. I've battled with that. I really believe that you need someone else. You need the coaching. You need some help from someone else, whatever that looks like. I think this is a great alternative inside this place. Um, there's other, it's not the only one, yeah. but I think this has been a great one because of the community and by the fact of getting in here and having accountability and a plan where it's not really an option. It's not an option of whether I show up or not. And then once you do come here, and let's say you get Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes, show up to the classes. Like, show up and be here. You know, commit to it. Like, set it aside as a priority. You got to work on yourself before you can be there for other people. Like, just like the oxygen mask in the plane. Yeah. You got to do yours, and then you can help your kids. Because if you're passed out, you can't help your kids. So get in. Don't pass out. <laughs> and get into the gym and work with it. Nah, yeah, work with anybody. Uh, he said something there, and then I got distracted by how great of words you were saying. Pooper scooper. Man, you were saying something about uh, come in. You were saying pre-decide. What else did you say? You said something else really good in there. That you've had a big influence on my life. About getting me up, up in the morning. Well, you're well, you, thank you for saying that. Uh, I don't. You did it. I know. Yeah. I didn't do it. You did it. We've all heard that. Yeah. Yes. I don't do any of it, right? You're the person no, doing no. it. And if you hang out with people, like even in the Bible, it says like hang out with like the wise, you'll be wise. Hang out with fools, you turn to fools. The people you hang out with are influencing you so much. So if you surround yourself with people who um, really look up or really identify as people who drink excessively to like celebrate, then you are going to be the person that drinks excessive, like a lot to celebrate, which isn't a bad thing if that's what you want to do. But if you want to not be that, you need to not hang out with those people. Uh, and so for me, I have these conversations with Kira. So like, if this person is making you think a certain way, then ditch that person. Like you need to get away from those people. That's really bad if you're um, trying to do these things to be like a good person, but work on yourself first. But if you have someone that's sitting there, I'll tell you a prime example. I would not be hanging out with you if you were like, hey man, let's go out and drink every single night. Hey Matt, let's go out and uh, go hit on other girls. Uh, Let's go out and just eat ice cream every day. I'd be like, hey, Matt, like, I, I really value our friendship, and I think it's great. That's not aligned with my values, and so I'm not going to hang out with you. And that would be it. Like, you would have to change to hang out with me because I have my core values. And if your core values align with my core values, then we get to hang out. And I, I'm, if I offend people, if I'm saying something that's, like, off kilt, like, whatever it is, if you're not in line with what I have going on, then I'm not going to spend the time with you. I don't have extra time and I don't want to be tempted in any way, shape or form to do those things because I know that I'm not happy when I do those things. So if you're doing the things that I don't like to do, I'm not going to hang out with you. Yeah, um, that's really well said. I, I just get frustrated yeah. about that one. Man, how do we do that? I, I got to talk about something on that. But real quick, it just came to me. How do we do that with our kids? Like how, how do you determine with your kids that like I want to hang out with these kids or you want to be involved with these kids but how do you have to make, like, how do you teach them to make sure it's aligned with their core values and what it's important to them if they're going to be doing something? You know, our kids are both young, and so we're trying to, like, think through this and establish the infrastructure for that. You know, how do you instill with them that that's okay? My son right now is having trouble, like, with friends at his school, and he just hasn't had people that he really gets along with. And, like, like for us, we've attacked it of, like, you know, we want to be a good support system for him and, you know, work on developing identity in other places. And so far it's worked. Like it weighs on him some days, but I think that's part of life and that's, and that's going to be part of it. And so like 
is that is the reason that he's like come to peace with the idea of like I'm not gonna follow this crowd and just do whatever. Like I'd rather be on my own, doing my own thing, rather than you know following along with something that you know I'm not agreeing. And like I would I would not say that like my ten year old has identified core values and realized they don't lie with core values. Okay, I'm just wondering with kids like do you have any ideas on how to like instill this in them? I want to say that I'm I don't know what I'm talking about majority of the time, right? I'm just guessing, and I, this is how I live my life, right? And I could be completely wrong. So there could be someone out there that's like, oh, this works. And if that works for you, great. So I don't want to say that I'm the person that's like, I'm not whoever that person. I, I, with my wife, so my wife and I are a team, and we make these decisions. uh, We try, because we've had those same conversations, like how do we make sure that our son doesn't hang out with crappy people? Uh, One is you cannot let your kid go hang out with that person. Like, hey, I want to go hang out at Tommy's house today. Sorry, you're not hanging out at Tommy's house. We don't agree with his parents, the way that they're upbringing and the things that they get to do. Sorry. You don't get to hang out with Tommy. Eventually, they're probably going to hang out with Tommy, right? We don't get to dictate and choose who they hang out with all the time because they're going to hang out with that person. Uh, if you align with your core values, and I think this, this book right here that's really thick and has lots of information, if you use that as your compass or your guiding light and remind them like how you do this scripture, like when I say to Levi, uh, God opposes the proud, but it's when he's playing like chess, or not chess, my son doesn't play chess, when he's playing Candyland, <laughs> when he's playing Candyland, <laughs> I can tell him that, hey, like, don't be that loud. My kids try to play chess, and it does not go well. Uh, a prime example, our kid's playing basketball, and a kid was making fun of him uh, because his face was red. And he goes, hey, Dad, uh, they said that how, how is Levi going to play basketball, or how is, uh, how is he going to play basketball if his face is so red? And I said, was the person that was telling you that your face is red, was his face red? He goes, yeah. I said, that's all that matters. And he was like, oh. He goes, they said, I said, I said, do you ever watch dad work out? And he goes, yeah. I said, is dad's face red? And he goes, yes. And I said, I'm just working hard. Next time he says that, just be like, I'm working really hard. Uh, or don't say anything and just continue to work. People are going to try to tempt you to do these things. And people are always going to try to bring you down. Um, they're always going to dim your light or always try to dim your light. And so I, I feel like having the scripture and those things and these uh, reminders. Uh, at one time, I was a coach at a gym and someone said, you're, you're too happy all the time. You need to stop being so happy. You're fake. And I just, it dim, I like made me feel bad. It's like, you're, you're too happy. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, why? And then come to find out, it's like, a full, I was a grown up when this happened to me. And I like let it affect my day. I'm like, man, that's like, it was really hurtful because I like, really liked being happy. But this person, I found out later that day that his dog died that morning and he was just like upset. And so he was taking it out on me. And so when you come to find out that all these people, bullies and this stuff is happening to them, it's probably because they have a crappy life or they have something that's happening in their life that isn't great. So use this, this Bible or this, the verses to like show them love, be like, Hey, kill them with kindness. So my mom had taught me that. Um, and it's okay to be different. And if you're not hanging out with those people, that's going to separate you and remind them and reassure them that by them being different, it's going to pay dividends in, in the later in life because Kier and I are very different and we feel like we're doing great. Like, do you, so, um, that's a hard one. I think the, the more I, our kids grow up, the more I'll learn about it. And I just will kind of take advice as like, your son's a little bit older. So when my son goes through that, my sisters have older children and hearing them and then the way that my parents raised me and using those experiences is something that I would do and pull from, from other people. I don't know if that, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You like continuing to re, like regurgitate these Bible verses to them, and then continuing to like just be yeah. yourself. And like, I want to go teach my son to align his, be aligned with his core values, not go along with his friends. Uh-huh. Like when it comes down to it, if you want to do that, just be that yourself. Yes. Like, you're not gonna be able to, like all the stuff that you want to teach them. Like it, they're just gonna absorb. And so if you're not that way. You know, kids are like these authenticity, like, gauges. Like, they can tell. They can see all of it. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, you just have to be that way. Something really important, because what you said about about finding friends and, like, being around people, mm-hmm. and, like, those people have to align with your core values, I just, I, I want to stay on that for a second, because I just think that's so important. And when I look back about 2023, like, what about my year was successful and what was different, I can really point to conversations I had and spending time with people investing with people um, this weekend I've, I've music has really spoke to me a lot lately before I just I was like beats and I never never really listened to lyrics and work through lyrics but now I'm just like gravitating the lyrics and they have they really moved me a lot and this one this weekend was uh, you got to find your people and then you'll find yourself 
I was like, oh, that's, that's the truth. Like, you have to find your people, like you've said. And that's something that's happened to me this year as a result of the efforts that you've put together is um, I spent a lot of time with other guys hanging out a lot more than I ever have. I used to have kind of like a philosophy of four light bulbs of work, family, friends, health. And I always used to think that, okay, if I only have so much time and there's only so much of me, like, what can I turn off? And I would always, for a long time, turned off the friend light bulb as much as possible, um, pulling up on the work and pulling up on the family and sacrificing even health. I just think it's really crucial that there's a reason who ever came up with this four light bulb thing included friendship in there because you just need other people. And I feel very grateful to having this place and having the conversations here. I tell the people all the time. I have been dramatically moved and pulled so much from, like, just regular guys that were just having conversations um, applying in my life. Last night, my wife asked me to do something. I just said, yes, honey, I'll do it. And like Danny, because Danny had this approach and it's not like just doing whatever, but it's like this idea of submitting to realize, yeah, I can do that. This is something that's important. Or she wants a stupid mirror hung. I'll hang the mirror. Like what's the deal? It's 15, 20 minutes. Just say yes. And so that's just a small example of how much like in a small thing I've been moved by this group, but you just got to get around people. And to do that, it's not going to magically happen. Like you have to prioritize finding those people, spending time with them, giving, right? It's not about just receiving, 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 but giving your time, giving your attention, like thinking through things, praying for them. Are you, did you see the exhale prayer thing from Craig yet? From who? No. Praying. Uh, so there's a service, one of the services. Where oh, when he says the name? Yeah. You inhale. inhale. And the first person you come to your mind, you're like, yeah. you pray for that person. And I, I think that's really good, too, because, like, like those people's names have come out of my mouth through those times, too, because you're thinking through them. And I think there's something there to, like, finding your people and then, like, nurturing those relationships and dedicating time there. And that means you're going to have to, like, pull back on – usually it's the work one. Like, pull back on the work one and trust that everything's going to work out. Stop trying to control everything. And so I appreciate that very much this year, and I really like what you said about – Find your people, but know where you are and know what you want and make sure those people are there and don't be desperate. Like, you know, finding people then like those people are a bad influence, right? Just like our kids. I, um, I think we need to understand what we truly want, what we want to align with. And then I think the people are going to find you based off like they're already there or they are in a spot that you just haven't figured out yet. So like if people are like, well, I want to, I can't find my people. I think a lot of times people will ask, well, you know, like, how do I, I don't, I just I can't find anyone to love or something. Uh, and my always advice is you need to love yourself before you can love other people because you might have already found the person that you're supposed to love, but you don't love yourself yet. And so that kind of happened with Kiera and I. We were dating and she, I, she, I was dating her and had uh, opportunity, but I didn't love myself. And so I just stopped talking to Kiera just like cut her off completely. I was like, ah, this is too scary. I don't want to do this because I didn't love myself yet. A few months go by and then I like was like, oh, oh this <laughs> kind of messed up. And so <laughs> I, uh, it, and that's when you almost, like you said, surrender and let go and just like of that identity of that person that you were and what you're now going to be. And so like at that point I was identifying as like a, a younger like a free spirit, whatever. And so I needed to identify as that person who was willing to get married and do these things. And so uh, it's, it's a lot of what happened to me the last few months is uh, the hardest thing for me to let go of was control. And so with doing this, I've felt a lot of um, ease. And it's, it's one of it of his, uh, the, his the God's things talks about like my yoke being light, you know, wear my yoke or whatever. And I, I find that very in, in, intriguing. And this morning I used that actual verse as I was running on the track. So I was running in the track and one of the straightaways was into the wind. And the other straightaway was with the wind at your back. Uh, both of them, you still have to do a lot of work. So I felt like I was running into the wind. I felt like I was trying really hard, but getting the same place at the same time and not really um, getting where my legs hurt still, but like I, I, I was trying really hard, but I felt like I wasn't getting it. Then I, I turned to the other side of the track and I had the wind at my back and I'm like, this like is, I can, it still takes work. I still have to do the things that need to be done to get the time that I want to do, but it's so much easier and lighter because I feel like I have this, this present or this push behind me to do these things. And that's when I, in that moment, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to have the Holy Spirit in your life. 
because as you're running and you feel like you're doing these things, there's going to be times where I, uh, as I had it behind my back, I felt great. It was easy doing these things. And I had the attitude of like, oh, I can do this forever. And then I turn the corner and get into the wind and I would have the wind in my face. But I was like, oh, I have the, the sword and the, the stuff to come through and, and fight the wind. And so like it was the whole time I started the track was this reminder of this Holy Spirit thing that I was going through. And I'm like, OK, into the wind is hard, but I still had like the word of Scripture and do these things to fight those things. And then as I was running with the wind behind my back, it was easy. I was still doing the work. And I was still reaping the rewards, but it felt so much like a lighter yoke. And I was just like, oh, that's so cool that I'm doing that as I'm running into the track. So I think it's kind of cool. That's an incredible metaphor. Oh, yeah. That so, is really good. Yeah, my legs hurt from that workout, though, because I went a little extra hard. I even told you I, like, pulled the swords out. I was, like, splitting the wind. But it was fun. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I, I seek those things. We did a, a hill workout. And I remember, because my wife calls me a little bit of a, um, a crazy person, a person who might be crazy. And so as I got to a hill. She's right. She's right. As we got to a hill, I started giggling. And I was like, why am I giggling? Because I was super excited about running up the hill because that's super hard. And I was like, I'm excited to attack this hill. And then I remember there was a point where I was supposed to turn around, but I couldn't turn around on a downhill because I don't want to turn around on an easy part or like, oh, I was like, I'm going to have to run back. But I knew that where this really big hill was that I was going to, I was like, I can't turn around a quarter mile before that. I got to turn around at the top of that one so I can actually go up it and then come back down and hit this other hill that I want to hit. So I kept prolonging my run and running longer because I want to get to this one spot. And I was seeking that stuff. And for me, I think you had talked about like, where is truth? Truth is in suffering. And it's in those moments that I'm actually present and using my body to its ability and not thinking about any other distraction in the world, but just thinking about how hard this is in this moment and like how each muscle is working, how I'm using my arms to make my legs move, how I'm breathing, where's my heart rate. And I'm thinking about just that in that moment and there's nothing else. And so I crave that. And so I don't know. That's just like C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite kind of quotes from him is that you can't seek comfort. If you seek comfort, you'll never find it. But if you seek truth, you might find comfort, but it's through the suffering and through the hardship where you might find it. And so that's something that I would believe, I mean, should probably be on your gravestone is like, he seek truth. Like you are someone that seeks suffering and I'm really motivated by that. I think it's, um, but I'm not different than anybody. Like I, I don't think that like if you and I wake up in the morning and we roll out of bed, you have a thought like, I don't really want to do this. I have that same thought. Like I, I don't have like a, I call, we're trying to get my son to uh, read more. And so I'm calling reading a superpower. I was like, hey, dude, if you want to be able to read these billboards and you want to read this sign, you want to know what we're doing. I said, if you can read, it's a superpower because then you can see what road we're on. We can see what's happening in front of you. You can see what everything's saying about you. And so I didn't even know where I was going with that. I got distracted. Darn it. The superpower. What were we talking about? You have a superpower. No. Oh, no. I don't think that I have a superpower. And I think that um, a lot of people that aren't in that position assume that these people have it easy or they have this special gift or they have this ability that's different than everybody else. And no, there's nothing. I, I, it's hard work and I, I convince myself that I like doing the hard work because that's what I'm willing to suffer for. Uh, and there's never, like, that didn't just happen. Like it happened trial time and time and time and time and time and time and time again I had this conversation with Kira and she was like how did because we go into my sister's pool it's super cold she was like why like you're you're a crazy person she keeps calling me a crazy person lately I just realized that and I said it's the decision that I don't want to do that Um, I don't want to do that but I'll sit there and I will make myself do the thing I don't want to do as what, I, what I'm doing. So if she's in that, she goes, why would you do that? And I said, well, that didn't just happen. I didn't just jump into the pool because I want to do that. That happened however many months ago when I was doing that cold shower thing. And I made the decision. I didn't want to go from a warm shower to a cold shower, just get into a cold shower. But that practice of me turning a switch of like cold. And it's, as soon as I say, like, I don't want to do that, I flip the switch. That's my like indicator. It's like, I don't want to do that. Flip the switch. I don't want to do this. Flip the switch. I'm going to do it. And it's practicing it under these different, um, not very big consequences that allows you to do it in the right situation. So I don't know. That's a, let's talk about the Bible. Why are we talking about this stuff? Well, that does. It's first Peter. Gosh, I forgot the first, but don't be surprised by these trials you're going through because okay. in those trials, you're suffering like, like Christ did. And so if we're supposed to, once again, we're supposed to be like Christ. 
you know, he suffered. And so you suffering in the shower is nowhere close to the level of suffering he went through, but it's a whole lot more suffering than sitting in bed or on the couch. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, yeah. First Peter, gosh, yeah, I forgot that one. So I'm trying to be better at that. I was inspired well, by you. No, I, well, um, you, I ha- it's very lucky. So all this has come up to amazing conversations with, uh, really amazing people. And I think you said that this year has been having conversations with other men and your friends. And I think that's the thing that's changed this year is the tough conversations and like, confronting them and going into it and so that's a thing of just like getting into something cold like that's just i'm not doing it for all the other stuff i'm doing it to do something i don't want to do 